Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Podcast. I'm Todd Sumney, the Chief Industry Officer for HomeSmart. And I'm Rich LaRue, Vice President of Corporate Brokerages for the Western Region for HomeSmart. Yep. And what what I, if you listen to the other podcasts, you'll hear me mention that he happens to manage uh, one of the largest brokerages, the eighth largest brokerage in the United States. And uh, Shelly Vincent is our special guest today. Welcome, Shelly. And Shelly runs the largest brokerage in Colorado uh, for us there, HomeSmart uh, Colorado. And we are excited about today's topic with all of you. Uh, today's topic is one that there's been a lot of mention in the news or in uh, online, or you just hear about it a lot. And we're going to talk today about artificial intelligence, AI, and chat GPT. And then yes. we're going to talk about how it affects real estate professionals and what they need to know about it, but also what are some opportunities that AI, chat GPT, and specifically some of the prop tech or tokenization what are the opportunities that that creates, right? Absolutely. So that's what we're going to dig in. So, you know, um, I'm going to start with a little bit of uh, when we were preparing for the call a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, I was talking and I was like, you know, I don't get what all the fuss is about AI. I mean, is it really, or chat GPT? And, mm -hmm. you know, is it really something that agents need to be um, aware of and, you know, is it really something they can use right now? Is it really something that can move the needle? And I want all of the audience to know that I was schooled very quickly that, uh, <laughs> yes, it, there are tremendous opportunities for you. And that's why uh, we have you here today. We're excited about that. Well, awesome. So. I, I appreciate you guys letting me be here and talk about this. You know, uh, prop tech is a passion of mine. And so, uh, you know, I really work to keep myself up with the latest. And you're absolutely right with AI. And uh, so many people just take it for granted how much AI is already a part of our lives. Right. And so, uh, you know, anytime you do a Google search, anytime that you are uh, looking at ways for maps, when your social media feed is popping up these ads and you're like, gosh, I was just talking about this. I was just searching for this. This is all AI. This is everything in our lives right now has just moved towards AI very quickly, but we're seeing so much more of that making our, uh, you know, estimates for home values so much more accurate when we're searching in the search terms and bringing up suggestions. All of this is AI. This is all in part of real estate. When you have your, your, your chat bots, when you're doing your marketing, all of your CRM, all of that, anything that's predictive in nature, uh, even just to auto-complete a search in Google, that's AI. So we're already using it in so much of our business. Right. Well, but that's where um, even just in the last week, digging in a little bit more to this, mm -hmm. the part about um, how to use it to use it effectively, my, mm -hmm. my sense has broadened. You know, originally mm -hmm. the first things that I read were about, oh, instead of sitting down and writing your property flyer and writing your description mm -hmm. about your property, you know, ChatGPT can do that for you. And I was like, well, is it really? Because then at that point you have to proofread it and you're going to end up changing it anyway because is it really going to get it right? But then as I dug in, um, we were talking even earlier today about mm -hmm. the real use of it is, well, when you have a very, like a, say a property that's difficult to sell mm -hmm. and you say to chat GPT, hey, um, I want you to help me write a description that will target the exact potential buyer of who's most likely to buy this property based on these um, 
aspects of the home, right? So it's a difficult Absolutely. property that maybe, uh, but ChatGPT is going to make it easier. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, you know. <laughs> and uh, Rich, how about your thoughts? I mean, at the beginning, I mean, ChatGPT, what's your, where are you at with ChatGPT and AI? I've got one foot in, one foot out. I see the, the benefits of this. I also can see... Uh, Oh, I don't know, some potential negatives with AI going too far. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Right. It's not those negatives. But how can we how can we narrow this down and how can we leverage this tool um, for our benefit as real mm -hmm. estate professionals? So, Shelly, I know you've put together, for those that are watching that have a, a benefit of the visuals, mm -hmm. you've got some visuals you've created for us. Yes. I'm going to try to keep up. Um, with you on the visual aspect, but you just take it away. You talk to us. Tell us what is AI, what is Chat G GPT, you know, what to watch for. Um, okay. Take it away and All I'll right. keep up. Well, let's uh, start with AI. So, what is AI? I, AI is artificial intelligence, it's things that would normally take humans to think through and do. The programming of AI is based on our histories, our habits. And so you're, you're having predictive outcomes based on just solely those things. And so your chat bots that we currently have, like when someone comes to your social media page, you're gonna have like these automated, you know, these messages that pop up and automated responses. Those are individually input, yes, no answers that have specific outcomes, specific responses. So chat GPT takes it up a notch. And so where we had individual type things in that were predicting responses, they were very limited as to our input. When you have chat GPT, you have a large language model, so you're taking all of the information stored in Google. I mean, you're taking, it's called a large language model. And so it's very predictive and conversational. So it's much, much more intricate. It is not individually programmed and it relies on programmers putting specific rules and boundaries to create more specific information, which we're barely on the beginning tips of in refining that conversation. Wow. So that's where the conversation you're talking about where, um, you know, we can't with our, our mind, we can't really, we don't have access to all of that data or we can't possibly absorb it all. Mm -hmm. But if you're asking me to help me write something that targets all of the people who would be ideal for something, okay, mm -hmm. so Google has that. So yes. it's tapping into that. Yeah, it is. Knowledge. And so, you know, you're thinking, you know, what ChatGPT can recommend to you is wording and, you know, items of interest that based on the demographics that you input in. Uh, but what it's not going to do is filter out things that might violate fair housing issues, or it um, it oftentimes makes up things to sound good. Uh, maybe, oh, you know, great center island kitchen like I did on one with seating area. Well, the it looked really good, but technically it was factually incorrect for that listing. So while you've got some really great descriptive words and guides you can take from it, you still have to check it word by word for accuracy. Let's talk about that for a moment because that, as a broker, <clears throat> mm -hmm. this uh, makes me shudder just a little bit because uh, we get these great descriptions, but there are numerous fair housing violations in there because mm -hmm. it hasn't learned fair housing law yet. Correct. Um, and so not saying that it won't because it seems to be learning mm -hmm. uh, quickly. So please proofread. 
your descriptions. <laughs> Run it through your own fair housing filter, ladies and gentlemen. But for yep. those of you just listening, you know, up on the screen, we've got the words or uh, the letters AI. Uh, you've got Zillow, Alexa, Google, Tesla, Chatbot, Instagram, ChatGPT, Waze. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to summarize and communicate there to everyone? Well, it, it's permeated all of our industry. Anytime that we're in any of these programs, uh, you know, whether it's a self-driving car. Uh, whether we're talking to Alexa, putting things on our list, Alexa's going to be making suggestions for us. Uh, Zillow's Zestimates, you know, which we have mixed feelings about, but there are things specifically all of these companies are doing using AI to refine those things uh, through AI right now. Uh, Zillow is using scanning of interior photos of homes because we know the finishes of an interior of a house can greatly affect the estimates or you know normal estimates and so they're working to refine that for accuracy we see so many different uh, AI models coming into our market I mean one thing right now uh, we work with a lot of investors that want to invest in homes uh, there are programs being developed out there that you can put the um, Sales priorities, you can search a single area for homes where maybe three bedrooms, whatever demographic. This search result will not only give you homes that are available, based on the price of it, the square foot, the size, and the proximity to schools or whatever, it'll give you a cap rate and potential rental income for these homes. So we're going far beyond the basics now. AI is becoming very, very refined to our business, and there's many, many tools coming out to assist us. Well, and you've used a word um, several times about, you know, predictive, predictive nature. Um, You mentioned Zillow, um, you know, scanning photos, you know, et cetera. Um, Can you dig in a little deeper? For those of you that are just listening up on the screen, it says Zillow scanning photos for more accurate estimates. Farming tools accurately accurately list which prospects are more likely to sell now. Yeah, so wait, let's stop and talk about that. Okay. All right, so right yeah. now we have a lot of farming tools available to us. You yeah. know, one in Colorado's Remind that we use a lot. So you're going to talk about a demographic, a zip code, how many years they've owned their home, yeah. this and that. This is going to be refined, not just to that, but they're going to take other factors into specifically the prospects that are most likely to sell now. And so, you know, instead of having to blanket send out X amount of postcards to those calls, you're able to refine your productivity to be more precise and productive in those outcomes. Well, and that's what gets my attention because right now agents are, um, they are looking for listings. Mm -hmm. So when I hear you talk about accurately give me a list Mm -hmm. of which prospects are more likely to sell now, Mm -hmm. that gets my attention. Absolutely. And that's where I start to say, okay, let's let's use what's available to us. Absolutely. And then to move on, you know, we need to engage chatbots more with our business to be able to, uh, you know, have much more interaction with our clients that when we may not be able to be there every moment to physically do it. But instead of those generic questions, what we're able to do is refine those conversations so much more to be able to communicate with those potential leads a more accurate description of what they're looking for and how we can help them rather than those basic yes, no answers. So every agent right now should be working or using a chatbot. I think that if your business does involve social media, social media marketing, I think we had talked about some agents in Georgia doing some really great social media marketing, getting a lot of leads. Well, filtering those leads out into pre-sectioned what they need and be able to focus on them correctly is a great productivity saver and very much worth the time and effort. Okay, so we're talking about really 
uh, similar but two different technologies here. Mm -hmm. um, we've got AI, which is one thing. We also have chatbots, which is another. And mm -hmm. here very recently, uh, I heard a great description that you gave about the difference between a chatbot and AI or yep. something like ChatGPT. Would you share that with our audience? Absolutely. So I think we even have a slide for this. So chatbots are your basic input of information. Go on, go one more for, there we go. Chatbots are pre-programmed, okay? So our response, our questions that we put in are pre-programmed. The responses are pre-programmed. There's a limited number. If we wanna change anything or do anything to you know, refine it, we have to manually do it. With the use of ChatGPT, when we combine that with the current models of chatbots, they're ChatGPT-based, they're predictive and conversational. They sound more human-like. They are able to adjust their responses based on the input given. We do not have to manually do that. And so what we're working on right now is just refining those you know, standards of exactly what subjects we're responding to, what questions we want to ask, but they're going to respond more conversationally and they can interact much more extensively than current chatbots. Well, and on the slide right now on the screen, you have the words continu continuously learning and mm -hmm. adapting to input. So it's it's not only starting, but it's also every single yeah. Not to go full Skynet conversation, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it is continuously evolving. It learns from its input continuously and adjusts continuously. Where chatbots don't have that ability. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So AI today is like a young human mm -hmm. learning, and so what we're going to hear uh, in uh, or see in the future is maybe an. AI that has the intelligence of an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old or go way mm -hmm. beyond uh, our, our own human capacity yeah, of knowledge. Yeah, kind of scary, huh? <laughs> it, well, it is. I mean, it ties into what I, I referred to in the beginning in yeah. our intro. But, uh, but yeah, so that's what's happening. That's what's evolving. And, yeah, mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, and so then, you know, the tools of chat GPT go far beyond just the chatting, you know, direct one-on-one -on -one with consumers. Uh, as we talked about the listing descriptions uh, that is available, uh, there are fantastic ways to connect chat GPT with your CRMs for automated leads and, you know, thinking about those wordings on those emails and the automated sending and following up and keeping touches with your uh, CRM base. And so you've got that, so communications wise, but not just that, but I can ask ChatGPT to write a blog post for me about, you know, the neighborhood or the, the town we live in, why she moved there, what the current housing models are, uh, same with social media content. And I mean, I, if I, you saw the, me ask ChatGPT to write a blog post about a listing description, it automatically added hashtags. You know, it, it, it's going far beyond just a listing description. It is, you know, uh, intellectually putting the hashtags that are gonna match what people are searching for for those posts to come up. So it's beyond that. And then you're talking about market analysis instead of going on, okay, this site says this, this site says this, it's gonna take all the information and conglomerate all of those pieces to create those marketing analyses for us. And so we've got fantastic information, but right now we still have to watch for accuracy. Right, so. right. But uh, for me, um, it's, it's just opening up 
a lot of ideas and a lot of thinking the mm-hmm. more I dig into this and the more I learn just what you just said about them adding hashtags mm-hmm. or um, the fact of it being this global language or having access to all those different sources of input we had on the screen earlier ways you know the the you know tesla the instagram google mm-hmm. all of it it has access to more knowledge than we do or it would take us a lot of time to go gather correct so we're gonna we're doing a market analysis we got to go to all these different places gather information mm-hmm. then bring it in then absorb it and correct. it can actually probably do that better than we can initially mm-hmm. we just need to start using it yeah i i think i heard something uh, recently that was very uh pertinent to our industry is that ai is not going to take over our job but an agent using ai is going to take over your job mm. oh <laughs> wow. wow so i'm going to digress just a little bit um and so humor me on this i remember when when uh, calculators came out and my dad bought one he spent like a hundred dollars on this little you know handheld thing that you mm-hmm. know s- size of a small tablet right and oh this is really cool but my dad never trusted technology mm-hmm. really at, you know at that point I mean this is new so anyway he's running a, a column of numbers you know and then he manually adds it up to make sure that the calculator was correct Right? <laughs> We're way beyond that now. <laughs> well, we, clearly we are. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, um, I would encourage agents when they're doing a market analysis and they're getting this information mm-hmm. back from ChatGPT to check it. Make mm-hmm. sure. Don't go in there and embarrass yourself uh, by by using irrelevant comps because this could happen at this point in time. Yes. Because remember... AI is about learning. There's a learning curve there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, even the company that we, we love to hate, Zillow, yep. and the Zestimates, they have gotten better over the years because it's yes. learning. Um, and so that's just, again, my, my, my broker brain kicks in. You know, mm-hmm. Okay, double check yourself. You know, my, my dad wasn't totally wrong in not trusting, although that calculator <laughs> proved him uh, to be a great mathematician as well. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think, too, I can put a command into ChatGPT to say, hey, write me a blog post as to why I should buy a home right now. And the first thing it came up with was historically low interest rates, which obviously right now would, would not be factually correct. Um, but if I refined it and said, write me a blog post on why you should buy a house in the summer of 2023, mm. you're going to have much more accurate information because it's going to be narrowing it down. And so you have to be very careful of what you ask for. Be specific. Be specific. Uh, and obviously, we talked about the listing descriptions and terminology. Uh, we have to watch out because, you know, obviously, in the last few years, our fair housing laws have been modified a lot to include, you know, your erase the use of certain terms that we may have used in the past. ChatGPT has not caught up with that, that yet. And so we have to make sure that when we read those listing descriptions, that we are maintaining those fair housing law terminologies that we need to. As an example, primary bedroom. Yeah. Usage. So, uh, you so, know, in the lesson yeah. description, I asked, it said for master in, in, our, in my MLS, we're not using that terminology. Right. We have to be very careful on the terms of family, 
things like that. Uh, you know, and so there's there's just a lot of things that I've caught in our listing descriptions. Um, you know, even like low crime things like that. These are things that that we should avoid uh, based on the new fair housing guidelines. Got it. Thank you. You know, but before we move on to some of the um, specific tactics in real estate, I guess, you know, um, I, I'm going to go back to your story, though, about your father with the calculator, though, mm -hmm. too, and when that first came out. One of the things that I'm learning as I'm researching and digging into this is that, okay, there was probably a mathematician somewhere that was upset the calculator came out because um, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do. But sure. then he but then what happened was those mathematicians, those experts, those engineers maybe that they could do all those calculate calculations, mm -hmm. they could do more calculations by saving time by using it. Correct. And they those that opened up their minds even could say, Okay, well then I don't I'll use this to do the calculations and what else can I do now with my brain power? What can I open my, and that's kind of how yeah. we've evolved. And then you can watch that just um, through our society in so many different ways. And right now, I think that that's what I'm like leaning into here with the chat GPT of yesterday. I heard someone on a video talking, um, okay, I want chat, chat GPT. Can you help me create a post for Instagram that targets the specific demographics targets the ideal buyers who are most likely to purchase this home with these facts with these um features features and amenities and this location yeah. and give give it all the data mm -hmm. so give it all the data and then say and in turn i want you to give me back um the ideal thing that i want in this case mm -hmm. i want to post that is going to be um, on Instagram that's going to target the right people who are most likely to buy this home. And then it's got access to all this wealth now of information that I might not be able to absorb and it's going to do that for me or even tell me, can it? And then I'm at, this is a question. Mm -hmm. Can it also tell me, so now that you've given me this description, mm -hmm. how can I best target these people? Well, it's going to take information it gains from Google and the web on that. So it's not like it's original thought coming up with that information. It's going to give you tips and tricks based on collaborative information that's pulled together. Uh, so it's a pretty amazing tool right. that, that it's going to do that. And so, uh, you know, agents are beginning to engage this. And we're also going to see, you know, companies and software companies come out helping us to use and harness specific tools. Uh, like we, I said, with the cap rates on rentals, with the CRM AI, with things like that. So we're going to see a lot of that. Even the smart homes uh, are coming up with AI uh, uses as well. So there's just it's just a limitless for our industry. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, um, before we kind of move on, part number two of our uh, podcast series here is going to be tokenization of real property, digging yep. in a little bit more to some tactics and opportunities for agents, but still with our, with our part number one um, having to do with chat GPT, um, do you want to tie a bow on it? Do you want to kind of give a summary to everybody <laughs> about, okay, what do you really need to know? you know, about chat GPT and, um, you know, what's, uh, the, what's the big, 
thing that excites you the most that you want them to take away from what we just talked about? Um, you know, we have technology available to us that is evolving quickly to make our jobs easier, to target our productivity, our monies so much better, uh, and that it is continuously evolving in the absolute best thing we can do for our business is to continually watch our industry, read our industry news, and see what's out there continuously becoming available to us. So how do I get started? Where do I go? <laughs> so, where, where do I go? Uh, how do I, do I have to set up an account? What is it that I have to, do I just go to how do I? How well, do I start? you need you need to uh, you know get into ChatGPT. But one of the best things, like uh, I had just posted, we should have added it to this. Maybe we can post it in uh, when we post this is a, a link to uh, forty different prompts for ChatGPT. And News just came out with the article this week. I think it's a really good starting place to give you an idea of where you can go, the the different commands that you can kind of start working with, seeing what the outcomes are, and being able to you know really refine that into what your target is what you're wanting to do and seeing those outcomes. Great. All right. Yeah, good stuff. That Inman article was excellent. It, it is. It's, yeah. it's a really great, yeah. and, and like I said, keep up with your industry news. You know, it, it's very inexpensive to subscribe to these outlets. These industry outlets are here to help us, you know, whether it's Riz Media, T360, Inman, uh, they're continuously providing outlets. AI, ChatGPT has been a really big subject uh, of discussion lately tons of information to help you get started. So go check it out and don't be afraid of it, is what I hear you saying. No, you cannot be afraid. We're only afraid of things we don't understand. That's why the I'm more, saying jump yeah. in and learn more about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's dig into part two here. Let's talk about um, specifically in the real estate industry, you know, um, yeah. how, how does, to what is tokenization? I know it, it is uh, another one of those new technologies. So, okay. uh, you know, we've talked about uh, crypto, blockchain a lot, you know, really coming into the industry. And, um, you know, people get a little hung up on the crypto part, which is really just a currency, a form of payment. The real uh, value behind crypto and our future and technology with real estate is the blockchain that it's written on. It provides a lot of different types of ownership opportunities that we really take for granted that exist. And what I'm seeing in the market right now, uh, you know, you hear about NFTs purchasing homes for real estate doing that. Been there, done that. But what we're really seeing is the tokenization of real properties. We've got a real big change in the market coming, and I'm starting to see a lot more applications of this. So let's talk about what the difference is in tokenization. So right now, you have a property for sale. We have a normal paper deed process that we go to transfer real property. In tokenization, what we're doing is we're literally creating a digital token that represents ownership. You know, you have VIN numbers for cars, you know, you have hashtags, you've got, you know, all kinds of QR codes, things that all represent ownership. Let's talk about like sure. a digital token written on the blockchain. It's immutable, which means it can't be changed or defrauded. It is, once it's there, it's there. You have ownership unless you transfer it to someone else using your wallet and your access. So is this similar to a uh, title for a car? It very much is. It is, it is okay. a proof of ownership. Okay. Okay. And it could greatly, you know, as we move forward, it's going to take some time. You know, we've, we have transacted 
homes the same way for 100 years. Right. You know, and I'd always use, do you want to do, have surgery performed on you the same way we did 100 years ago? You know, we, we need to move forward okay. in this. So up on the screen, what we have is it shows um, a traditional uh, home transaction, and mm -hmm. then it says a tokenized home transaction. And mm -hmm. so, you know, a traditional, you have one document mm -hmm. there. Um, underneath on the tokenized, you have a series of nine circles. Yep. And so does well, that represent something? Yeah, it does. And, and so let's move to that next slide, and we're going to talk about it. So there are so many applications of the use of tokenization that um, are coming along in real estate. So we're talking about real estate investments, timeshares, development investments, token investments and tokenization of title. What I really want to talk about is the real estate investments. So we have two types of tokens um, in the market. So one is that NFT, the non-fungible token that you hear about. And basically that represents ownership in one item. So whatever that item is worth, that token is worth. The token's value does not change except for the value of that one item that it's attached to. And we've seen it with like the digital art and things like that. But NFTs have much, much higher value than just digital art. It can represent ownership in cars, in uh, art, in music, in just about anything. Think of certificates of authenticity. So an NFT is pretty much a certificate of ownership. Okay. But then we have fungible tokens. That token, think of shares of stock. The value of that token changes with the value of the investment. So right now in um, our market, we've got many, many commercial properties that are vacant, many. And we also have a massive shortage of affordable housing, okay? Yep. So traditionally, if a developer were to want to convert a commercial building to residential or any kind of a large development, this could be a shopping mall, an apartment complex, anything. A developer has to go to very large investors, you know, BlackRock, some other large companies that are willing to invest millions. So the amount of people available for those investments is very small. That money is tied up for years and years. It's not easily like, you know, they can't say, okay, well, I'm ready to invest in something else. Give me my money back. It just doesn't work that way. So what tokenization does, so let's say I need $100 million to develop this property. And instead of just going through this 40 million here, 20 million here from these huge VC firms, I'm gonna tokenize my development into $10,000 tokens. And for every token you purchase, you've got a $10,000 stake in my development. And it can come with voting rights for each share, whatever. Now the value of that token is gonna be dependent upon the value of the development. If it gets developed at a profit, loss, whatever. But we have many, many third party platforms where let's say that I've invested 50,000, so I've got five tokens. And right. well, maybe I'm ready to move on to that next investment where in the traditional method, you wouldn't be able to sell it. You'd be stuck in it during the whole process of building and development, whatever, until that whole thing's sold. Well, now I have a third-party platform that I can just place these tokens for sale. I get to name the price, get to exchange it like that, and I've just paid, all I've done is just pay a transaction fee to that third-party site. So it gives many, many, many more people the ability to invest in these great real estate investments, and it allows liquidity. So this is a fantastic tool that's really coming on the market in the face of this new conversion fad, you know, not, well, it's not really a fad, it's a movement that we're seeing. 
so commercial transactions are often very large. So mm-hmm. and, and and part of the podcast here is being transparent like just talking, learning, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put myself out there a little bit to make sure I'm following along with you. Um, let's $100 million for mm-hmm. a piece of real estate, a commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, that had to be funded yep. by one or maybe two, you know, really large sources of money mm-hmm. to come up with $100 million. Yep. Um, what you're talking about is that could be, if I'm following you right, that can be tokenized where people could buy $500,000 worth of that $100 million property. Correct. So this should be opening up doors in real estate mm-hmm. well, in many aspects. And of course, our, our you know, we're, we're, we have many, many residential agents and you're thinking, okay, why are we talking about this? How does this help right. me? Okay, right. so let's say I know some guys and some developers. Let's say I want to buy a, you know, a 10 unit office building, smaller office building, three, four million. Mm-hmm. We can always do that. What if I'm going to work with developers to get the real estate business from the sale of those converted condos? Somebody's got to sell them. Right. There's a huge amount of opportunity working with developers and builders and contractors right now for Did that. Did you send me something last week about a hotel somewhere that went, that yep. was <laughs> was given back? And, yeah, um, let's and, talk about that. <laughs> no, and it, so yeah, a large yeah. amount of money that yeah. was leveraged and then mm-hmm. they just gave it back instead of paying off the note. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. they have tokenized it and sold uh, the rooms when we have a housing shortage or reconfigured the property in such yeah. a way to make condos out of it. Uh, okay, well, it's expensive. It's okay. All right, so conversion is very expensive. Okay. So you have to have local governments that are that have the you know desire to want to provide more affordable housing that they can provide, you know, different initiatives, different you know, tax breaks, you know, funding to assist in that conversion to make it more profitable for the developer. And um, there are studies in large cities going on right now for that. I mean, in San Francisco, you've got a 97% vacancy rate. The vacancy rate across the U.S. right now is averaging about 60%. So, yeah, we have the largest commercial. Commercial buildings. In commercial, like a class A and B office space specifically uh you have um the largest commercial owner in california has defaulted on over a billion dollars of loans this year okay we are going to have a huge reckoning in the office space market but it is amazing the opportunity it provides to have relief for the lack of housing also in these cities and you're talking about you know the hotels and tokenization of it Absolutely, these things are on the table. And you can just Google uh, commercial residential conversion, and you're just going to have so many news articles pop up about it. It's just amazing right now. Wow. Hmm. Wow. So um, that sounds a little bit like crowdfunding. 
It's exactly. It's funny you should say that. <laughs> right. So that's so STOs is a security token offering, uh, and it's just like what we said is you are crowdfunding. You're not going to those venture capital firms. You're not paying ninety percent of your profits back to them. You're actually able to work together with you know a lot of small investors now. Um, you have to have SEC filings, you know, for this investment. It's totally regulated, you know, so it's not a free for all. If you have over 19 investors, it has to have a SEC uh, filing. And there are, like I said, many companies coming up that are offering this specific tokenization projects for these investments. So our audience is largely real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know. The concept, what you're outlining, I can see the vision, I can see the concept, but how can the average day-to-day -day real estate agent get involved in this? Or how can, what's, how, what opportunity does this present for them? Um, well, I think that every large area is gonna have a type of like a commercial association, just like we have the residential associations of realtors. There are commercial associations. I would be reaching out to other contractors. If you're looking at different building companies around your town right now and you see other projects, read the name on them. I mean, you know, you have to be willing to put yourself out there, reach out, have co phone conversations. Uh, LinkedIn is a great news source for tokenization of properties, things like that. Mm -hmm. Start following these pages. You're, you're going to come up with a tremendous amount of opportunities. And so, but let's let's even take this a step further on tokenization opportunities. Uh, this was a great example I gave uh, this last week is, um, let's say that I want to start flipping houses. Now I've got $25,000, okay? But I think uh, with about a million dollars, I can really take off. So let's say that I decide I'm gonna raise a million dollars through $10,000 tokens. And I'm gonna to create a tokenized investment. And I get people I know, friends, and you know, maybe a few people that have faith in me you know, to do so. Uh, and I raise a million dollars through $10,000 tokens. And you know, each token holder gets a vote on, do we buy this property? How much do we sell it for? What do we do to it? And let's say I flip a few properties, and now I've got you know, $1.5 million. I can slowly buy those tokens back as people want to sell them. Those people that want to sell them can put them on a third-party site to sell them, sell them to someone else if they want to, uh, or they can keep holding them and gaining value with me. And I have started a massive business with a few tokens. Wow. So each one of those tokens in your example would have gone from being worth 10000 to being worth 15000 Correct. In your example. Yep. And so, and so I'm, I'm providing value to an investor. Value, they keep them or they sell yeah, them. Yeah, and if okay. I decide to buy it back, I've got to pay 15000 for them. Got it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, you put together a couple case studies for us yep. on tokenization. Yeah, and so this is beyond wanna... proof of concept. You know, this okay. is happening. All right. So uh, the first one up on the screen, it says uh, case studies and tokenization, but a $30 million Manhattan building has become New York City's first luxury property be to, to be tokenized on blockchain. Correct. The building is located in East Village, contains 12 1,700 square foot condos. The entire property is now represented by an unconfirmed number of tokens on a public blockchain, and each token stands for a transactional value of the property. Correct. And so this, is, um, this type of ownership is a co-op. Okay. So, and by buying a token, you are buying a percentage of ownership 
in this building and in return you were having the use of one of those condominiums as your own and so uh, it was used as a tokenization project and it was very successful wow um you put another case study here about the saint regis in aspen resort yep uh stefan debates mm -hmm. owns the saint regis aspen resort and you can too enter tokenization however by getting rid of the capital intermediaries by democratizing access to investments by tokenization the luxuries of societies unwealthy will finally trickle down to the masses. At least that's the argument Stefan Debates is making with the tokenization of the St. Regis Hotel. Yep. Um, well. So instead of buying stock now mm -hmm. in a hotel corporation, I'm actually owning an actual portion of the St. Regis Hotel in Aspen. Sort of. So uh, we sell timeshares. Okay. Around here, you know, in Colorado, Aspen, mm -hmm. obviously. I'm sure here, Phoenix, you've you've probably got some. Lots of them. Yeah, lots of them. Okay. They're not fun for real estate agents. You know, transacting uh, for an owner try to sell a timeshare. It's a arduous process for transfer, all the paperwork, everything. Not easy. All right. So what Stephen Debates did is he tokenized his timeshare portion of the property. And what he says, like, okay, for a $10,000 token, you get two weeks a year plus these amenities. If you buy two tokens, you get five weeks a year plus dinners. You buy three tokens, you get like 12 weeks a year. And so you see what I'm saying is that he incentivized the tokenization of his property and buying it. And so instead of going and signing all this paperwork, going through all these processes, all of that was put into the agreement of purchasing the token. So when you purchase the token, you're agreeing to all of the terms of this. So let's say the holder of these tokens has been there for five years or so, and they're like, okay, I'm ready to do something else. We're going to sell this timeshare. Rather than going through the process of having to uh, you know, go through that paperwork and listing and selling and everything, they literally take these tokens on a third-party site that represent this timeshare, and sell them in seconds. And the new owner of those tokens is by default agreeing to all the terms of what he's purchased. And it takes seconds rather than mass amounts of paperwork continuously. It's so much faster, so much easier. Wow. So I've got like a bazillion questions firing off in my head because of um, you know title insurance and HOA uh, rules, uh, you know, mm -hmm. CCNRs, things like that. So automatically, a person buying those tokens is mm -hmm. agreeing to all of that other, um, all those other regulations as well. And and assuming mm -hmm. that there's uh, <clears throat> title insurance involved, mm -hmm. and I would assume that there still would be title insurance. Although, as I'm understanding the blockchain, is mm -hmm. this? I mean, is there a possibility? that that's going to put title insurance companies out of business because with the blockchain technology and mm -hmm. the transfer of ownership that cannot be altered, mm -hmm. do you see a world in the future where that may not be necessary? Well, Where title insurance may yeah, not be necessary. Let me be very specific. Well, let's talk about title insurance and the purpose of title insurance is generally to protect a new homeowner against unrecorded liens that haven't come through yet. 
you know, so something that comes up later. And so if it wasn't in the county records at the time that this was written on the blockchain or anything, the title insurance still plays full. It's just, you know, instead, it's literally the tool is instead of writing it here in the county records on paper, you're writing it on a blockchain. Now, where the blockchain is of huge value is, is, you know, we see tons of fraud in this country right now with uh, fake sellers trying to sell properties. And, and oftentimes they make it to the closing table because they have a lot of this information. But if your title is written on the blockchain, the way it's hashed out is there's a very, it's called a hash. It's kind of like a QR code or a source of ownership. It tells you where on the blockchain all of the proof of ownership is. Only the true owner is going to know where on a, you know, an infinite blockchain their title is. And a title company can use that to verify it's the real owner. And I guarantee you, a fraudulent person is not going to know where it exists and be able to prove it. So for the time being, mm -hmm. the two work hand in hand. Correct. But as I see this progressing, um, if the county recorder's office converts everything to the blockchain, mm -hmm. uh, then it's all there. And, Correct. And so yeah, it I just mean, seems like it's it, it could snowball into something even easier to transact real estate in, in the future, oh, we should, an, an easier method. We, sh we should be able to transact real estate within seconds. It should not be the process that it is now. Uh, just like we, we talked about the, you know, the DMV in, in California has moved all records to blockchain to help fight fraud. And so we, and it's just going to take, you know, uh, we've got Miami, Florida that's doing it. We've got large cities that are really making an effort to move towards this. Uh, the state of Colorado accepts cryptocurrency for tax payments. We are slowly but surely getting there. The problem wow. we have now, the challenge, is that, you know, the, the, the traditional way of recording deeds is county by county. And we obviously have counties that are much more progressive in their technologies than others. Right. And so yeah. it, it is it's not state by state or federal adoption. It is county by county that we're going to have to do this. And obviously mm. that's going to take quite a while. But your larger markets are already moving to it. Fascinating. So let me see if I'm following <clears throat> along. Let me go back to the first case study, the $30 million Manhattan building. Right. That is um, now 12 uh, condos. Right. So in the past, there would be one person that would buy the building for $30 million, and then mm -hmm. they would sell off individual condos, 12 mm -hmm. of them, for $2.5 mm -hmm. totaling $30 million, right? Correct. So when that transaction would take place, there would be closing at the closing table with the title company ensuring that they are purchasing that condominium mm -hmm. and that it is free and clear and a good investment, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? Correct. Protected, right? Right. So take that example and explain what you two just said about now <laughs> with, to oh. with tokenization. Oh. So now okay. there were tokens that were sold. So mm -hmm. I imagine when their $30 million building was sold, there was a big title um, transaction that took place, mm -hmm. right? All right. Or how was it? Explain how that works. I'm going to oversimplify just... it. Okay, please. Before you buy a stock, you've got a performa that you can read. Okay. To study the value of the stock. Do I want to buy this stock or not? You're going to have a tremendous amount of information uh, available on this platform to review, read, and understand 
prior to the purchase okay. of the NFT when you're when, or the when you're purchasing the token when you're purchasing the token you we're assuming you have done that homework now this is where our real estate business still comes in very important to create the value for that token that represents this property you're still going to have the CMAs you're still going to have the staging the photography the marketing you're still doing all of that the, the only thing that's changing is the way it changes hands. Instead of using a traditional deed transfer tool, you are using the token as the transfer instrument. Okay. You know, or you know, your wallets are connecting it. You, you, where you would receive a title, you now are receiving that token into your digital wallet system, just like you would receive this into a file cabinet. Got it. Right. Did I oversimplify that? <laughs> no, I like that description. That's um, I got it. Okay. And, and so that really helps. So uh, yeah. you had one more case study here mm-hmm. um, talking about, okay, so uh, the University of South Carolina yep. um, created a luxury student residence area. Mm-hmm. And uh, here in Arizona, I know there are some luxury student buildings yep. that you know were created and instead of students living in a dorm they're living in a an amazing um yeah, building not my college experience <laughs> not, mine. <laughs> not mine at all um but the um the the type says or the copy there in the first offering of its kind u.s investors can now acquire a piece of south carolina real estate in the form of blockchain tokens the tokens represent ownership in a luxury student residence called the hub pictured above which is located near the University of South Carolina in the state's capital. And it's a, a building with an amazing looking pool, mm-hmm. spa, uh, lounge area all on top of the building yep. um, in downtown um, somewhere in South Carolina. Correct. All right. So South Carolina, University of South Carolina had options. Right. They could have gone to your big investment firms, mm-hmm. which are going to want a massive return on investment, cost them a ton of money, or they could create a token offering, you know, similar to stock offering, anything, you know, something, it's very similar, so it's a token. So they created a token offering, um, alumni could invest, community leaders could invest, right. you know, the local government could invest and, you know, really help. And so they were able to raise the funds to do this through a token offering You've avoided the mass amounts of fees that your large investment companies are going to want out of it. Uh, and you've also allowed many smaller entities to invest as well. So that's a key phrase right there that you said that um, they're going to want the, the they're going to want massive return because absolutely because they're taking the risk that the old way, the old mm-hmm. way, someone was putting up an awful lot of money to fund that then. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're yep. going to want um, a they're going to want a big return on that. They're going to want yeah. a big return on that. And so what you're doing here is you are um, spreading the risk out as well as the opportunity among the people in the number of tokens. Absolutely. And the investors buying these tokens also have the ability to liquidate them on a third-party site at any time. Pretty neat. And so the risk involved have to do with, obviously, the real estate investment in mm-hmm. any uh, uh, opportunity like this, but then also the fluctuation of the value of <clears throat> the cryptocurrency that you're using. And so I'll just use the example of Bitcoin because mm-hmm. it's probably the most 
well-recognized cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And so whatever value that is as it rises and falls uh, as compared to the U.S. dollar. So mm -hmm. that is the other, the other side of the risk. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So it, it's really that simple. Right. And so as one invests in cryptocurrency today, mm -hmm. and assuming that it goes up over time, mm -hmm. uh, then um, there's a second upside there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So those that have been listening to this um, season's episodes of the podcasts has heard Rich and I talk a lot about the inventory shortage that mm -hmm. many realtors are struggling with right now. There's a six and a half million unit housing shortage, according to the National Association of Realtors chief economist, mm -hmm. you know, who there are six and a half million people who want to purchase real estate and there is no inventory for them to purchase. Yeah, I just and, read in Inman that our new housing starts are the highest since 2016, right now. New housing starts. New housing However, starts. However, two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. I read a study that said, do you know how many homes, so even though it may have increased, mm -hmm. do you know what it increased to? Mm -hmm. Do you know the number? How many new homes are under construction as of two or three weeks ago when no I read the No idea. Only 70,000 homes. I mean, and, and still nothing compared to 2006. So, so how right. my question yeah. is, how can you make a dent in six and a half million homes when you only have 70,000 homes. So let's just say that, according to the new article you read, mm -hmm. let's say it doubled, 140,000 homes. Well, and we're talking still about pales. starts. It starts. starts, I get it. We're and still it a year, you know, year, two it, years it, away. Sure, right. yeah. So yeah. there's, this, um, this, there's this shortage. And mm -hmm. so what you've posted on the screen for those, again, that are just listening, there's several headlines here. I just want to read a couple of them to you. The commercial to residential con conversion boom has already begun. Uh, commercial to multifamily residential conversion. Uh, there's commercial to multifamily conversion shows promise across broad range of markets, says ULI and NMHC report. So Building Salt Lake was one of your sources. You had Portland City Council, Urban Land, um, you know, mm -hmm. was one of your sources. Portland City Council approves incentives to help convert office buildings into apartments. So, um, you know, it, this... We have a housing shortage. This seems like this is an ideal time for exactly what you're talking about right it now. It is as long as the local governments are able to provide incentives. Okay. The cost of conversion is very high, but the desperation is higher. So we're finally seeing the government stepping in to say, okay, we need to do something. Here's a great opportunity. And the developers are saying, let's go. Hmm. So, I mean, and think of how many listings for our agents that can provide to. It's right. amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow, fascinating. Yep. So, Rich. Todd. What do you think about all this? It's like drinking from a fire hose. There's a <laughs> lot of information here. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I was having um, uh, some uh, issues understanding the whole Bitcoin thing. Uh, and not just Bitcoin, cryptocurrency uh, in and mm -hmm. of itself and trying to wrap my head around it. And so I went out and found uh, a couple of books. I looked for some recommendations. I got one. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was um, uh, the, uh, the History of, of, of Money 
the Bitcoin mm-hmm. Standard is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I got into a mental cul-de-sac there for a moment, so uh, pardon me. The Bitcoin Standard, and I don't have a dog in the fight on this particular book. It just happens to be the one that uh, someone referred to me and mm-hmm. that I listened to, mm-hmm. and it is more uh, uh, or it's less of about Bitcoin. It's more about the history of money you know, from from the, the beginning of time, of the evolution of mm-hmm. currency. It used to be salt. From, from, used to be salt. It used to be little brown beads. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, there's there's hundreds of things that it has been, and every society has has risen with their currency, and 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 they have fallen with their currency. Mm-hmm. And so this is another currency to at least be aware of because it's it's coming whether you've got your head in the sand or not. It's happening. And mm-hmm. so uh, I just encourage you to go out and get educated about it. Learn something about it so you've, you've got some basis uh, rather yep. than listening to other people or your brother-in-law. Nothing against your brother-in-law, but we've all got <laughs> one that, that shows up at Thanksgiving and knows everything about everything. Um, and so, you know, you get your own base of knowledge uh, for cryptocurrency. Uh, and that's that's one book that I highly recommend because it really helped. And again, it's not about Bitcoin. It's not pushing Bitcoin uh, per se, uh, but it is about cryptocurrencies and how mm-hmm. how some of them have taken off and some of them, well, have not. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, there's and obviously my class it goes way more into detail on those. Right. And we have to right. understand that cryptocurrency is one tiny aspect of the entire blockchain environment, uh, and so. Next level reading would be Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper on Bitcoin. And while 90% of it was like massively over my head, what you do take away from it is what the importance is of the language that it's programmed on in the applications of the blockchain language, why you can't defraud it, why it's so secure, why you're gonna see all of our government records, our medical records, title, DMV, all of that is going to be moving to it, Mm. and you see the value of it from reading that paper. Thank you for the reminder. I have not yet read that white paper, and it is something uh, that I have in my mental queue to to Mm -hmm. hit up, so uh, thanks for the reminder. Absolutely. Uh, So my mind is going back to residential though for a moment and mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot but I want to ask you the question have you read but here anything? we go we're gonna put you yeah on the we're spot. gonna put you on the spot um, I have often wondered how in some cities mm-hmm. the home prices have risen to such a high price that how do the young young Americans that need to work in those jobs in some of those cities, mm-hmm. um, how do they afford to live there? How do they afford to purchase homes? And so their salary might qualify them for, it, let's just, I'm gonna say a downtown city that I have in my mind, and it's hard to find anything less than a million dollars. How is a young person in a new job out of college, you know, supposed to be able to qualify for a million dollar home? Um, you know, and is there a possibility for tokenization to start in the realist in the mortgage industry, mm-hmm. where okay they can qualify for six hundred thousand of that, mm-hmm. and can they like is there anyone that is making it available so they can own six hundred thousand of that home, and the tokens own the other four hundred thousand that they can't qualify? Well, for? funny we are seeing 
Uh, is that a good question? Uh, well, I mean, well, well no. It means actually, it's, uh, it, it's, it's co-ownership. Yeah. We are seeing a rise of co-ownership. So, like, when you, you see roommates in apartments, right? Okay, we are seeing a similar version of co-ownership in homes now. Even co-owning like short-term rentals, we're seeing people pull and find co-buyers uh, on these hmm. types of properties. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. We are seeing it, and we are seeing it in Colorado. So, all right. So again, and we'll uh, cut this out of the podcast if we have to. No, but, but you know, I, but to to like, your point, there is a Colorado agent I have that has created a platform for co ownership and co buying, and that is her area of expertise. That's okay. So that's where I'm it, headed with yes. this because okay, so even families. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say that um, you know with the mortgage rules, you have to be the primary resident, right, in the property, mm-hmm. and so you know if a family wanted to own twenty percent of the home, mm-hmm. um, does this open it up for you know to help? Well, you children? don't have a mortgage underwriter making that decision, uh, or yeah. or impinging. You that have requirement an LLC on. that would be created that will be purchasing the home. You're changing who owns it. So that, yes, you're changing the rules. Now you're also probably changing the type of loan. It probably won't be a traditional mortgage. It's require higher down payments, things like right, that. Right. But, I mean, in our market right now, lenders are dying for customers. Right. So I think that you're going to see much more different types of loans come out to get these, you know, lenders in business. It's a good time. I guess I stayed on the tokenization of this and assuming that in your example uh, we're still paying cash mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, through crypto right right so it's being paid for in full and there's no mortgage that was my comment uh, well then uh, you can about, tokenize and, it but they become owners in it you know uh, so if like I could say okay I want to buy a house and I want other people to be my investors in it you can tokenize. It's just going to be finding people that are willing to do so, right? Because it's going to be cash investors for them to do it. And what instead of a mortgage payment, traditional mortgage payment, instead they would have like each person that's paid into a token would be receiving a fractional percentage of that rent back. You know? Kind of like a dividend. Exactly. It, yeah, I, I. That's how I classified it in my yeah. head. Yeah. Wow. And so exactly. I haven't seen that personally, but obviously with tokenization, especially, you know, I wouldn't expect there to be more than 19 investors in a home. Sure. You could definitely, you would not have to have an SEC filing or anything. This can be done definitely privately. Okay, let's talk. Uh, I think Todd's Todd's wheels are spinning. My wheels are spinning. <laughs> my wheels are spinning. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can see, I can I, see those wheels well, are spinning. And then I put my... my uh, corporate hat on for a moment and I go let's let's talk let's talk fraud let's talk things to be careful of let's talk you know but you were starting to go somewhere before I no I was just hyperlinking okay back to the future I was Mm -hmm. hyperlinking to our 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 three podcast series um, uh, about uh, estate planning and tax planning and 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 all of that so i was uh i was tying the two together in my head gotcha yeah. okay all right yeah let's but stay I, focused I, let's let's just uh, you know we've we've talked about some great ideas we've talked about opportunities tactics mm-hmm. can we though also just address real quick things to be careful of and you already mentioned in the earlier podcast 
on episode one, just talking about making sure that if you're using chat GPT, that you have to make mm -hmm. sure that you are following fair housing guidelines, that the descriptions, you still have to proofread everything. You can't say, well, it wasn't me, it was chat GPT, because you're still responsible for yeah. what is being um, marketed, correct? Correct. Um, so what are some other things that we need to be careful of? Well, uh, it's funny you should mention that. So I do have a great uh, case study in ChatGPT of uh, a Brazilian attorney that was trying to present a case mm -hmm. uh, uh, for his client, and he went to ChatGPT and he said, please write me a brief uh, supporting th this subject and provide examples of prior cases. So ChatGPT wrote an eight-page legal brief for this attorney that was absolutely beautiful in support of his client's needs. Presented it to the judge, got a ruling in favor of it, and the other attorney started looking at it, and um, every case cited was fictitious. Uh-oh. For precedent. ChatGPT wrote an amazing legal brief and made it up as it went and he did not check factually the information in there. Okay. And he got in a lot of trouble right. before that. Okay. So, so that is a really good example of exactly why you need to be able to check factually every single thing that you ask GP, ChatGPT to write for you. So going back to the example of my dad on the calculator in the early 1970s, when he got it, right now we have to fact check everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, actually, it was a great example. Then. As it turns out, yeah. As thanks, it turns Dad. Out. That was awesome. So uh, okay. So back to tokenization, though. Um, fraud. Uh, things to be careful of. Want to make sure our audience, you know, mm -hmm. keeps out of keeps out of trouble, keeps out of any legal yep. um, situations. You know, anything that we need to share with them here as we kind of wrap up. Yeah, uh, I mean, that that is the, the basis of it. It is a tool, and it's not meant to take over your job. It's not meant to do your job for you. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be a tool as a guide. It's, you know, just almost like an automatic thesaurus when it comes to writing these listing descriptions, these blog posts, social media posts, hashtags. It's very intuitive, and it's meant to be nothing more than a tool because it is still has factual issues. It still hasn't been you know, refined, we are in, like you said, Rich, the infancy of the use of this, and it's going to get bigger, it's going to get better, but right now, just take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Great info. Mm -hmm. So, we've covered some great topics today, great opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. Can you summarize how to get started? I'm, my head is swirling, just like yours was a little bit, so how, how does the typical real estate agent listening to this mm -hmm. podcast let's hone in on tokenization okay what what are some great ways for them to start to explore these opportunities or to implement them in their business uh well i would work with it depends on what your goal is let's talk about the residential to commercial i mean commercial residential okay. conversion right. so let's okay. talk about that so uh i would be like i said looking to partner with developers you know networking okay. with other commercial agents that you know would be involved maybe in the acquisition of the property working with a developer to do the conversion uh you know you've got government resources to incentivize it you know working on writing proposals helping them with that but then working to say okay when this conversion's done i get the listings 
you know, I'm going to work with you. Make a, you know, make a great uh, contract with them for, you know, uh, the percentages, work with them for the marketing. There's a lot of ways you can deal with them, you know, on that and be a part of it through that process. And so that's some of the things that I've done in the past on similar deals. And so, you know, partnering with agents that have more experience doing this is great. Uh, like I said, you need to get into the industry magazines. It takes very simple Google searches to pull a lot of this information. Right. Um, I, when I got into the interest of tokenization, these conversions, right. I was connected by another crypto friend of mine from Miami on the internet uh, in LinkedIn to a big developer who was one of the first to accept cryptocurrency as a payment system in Denver. And now I have my commercial developer go-to guy who has all these connections and I am his residential expert. Okay. You know, and then I understand because of the love of the tokenization, you're like Eventbrite, there's tons of meetup groups for crypto enthusiasts, things like that. You just have to get out there. You've got to do the research. Search on LinkedIn, search on Facebook. These groups are out there. Okay. Start getting involved. All right, so I'm going to keep digging. Your agent, you mentioned an agent in Colorado yep. who is um, who's really tapping into this opportunity again. So what is mm -hmm. she doing? What is How did she get started? Uh, well, she's kind of an enthusiast, just the same, and she's seen you know her through the grapevine, the movement towards co-buyers, co-buyers in rental properties, co-buyers in short-term rentals, you know, all different types of cohabitant mm -hmm. co-buyers. Right. And she is working on pulling those contacts into a one-stop site where she can connect potential co-buyers together to see if they want to work together, come to terms. She has partnerships with attorneys that can create the paperwork for it and to help create those LLCs that would be combined to create a partnership to do a co-buyer on a house. Right. And then she would act as the real estate agent for right. these co-buyers and that is her you know specific area of expertise and she's created a website platform that she is marketing to be able to to bring co-buyers together well not only does that make me say good for her and mm -hmm. i'm proud of her and i don't even know who she who she is but great job that's amazing but it also warms my heart because she's filling a need Yes. She is serving people. That's one of the things we often talk about here on the podcast. Uh, a core to anything we do in real estate is helping people and serving people, whether they be, you know, people who want to purchase real estate, own real estate. Mm -hmm. And she's filling that need with them about making a way for co-buyers or people who yeah. want to do that and helping bring that to, to, to fruition, right? Absolutely. And then on top of it, also helping even investors or helping whoever along the way. So mm -hmm. it's even expanding who she's serving and who she's mm -hmm. helping. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, cool. working with your brokers like yeah. Rich and myself, you know, we yeah. can help kind of help fill those gaps, lead an agent towards, you know, performing a specialty. Right. You were talking, you know, we were talking about new construction starts and we're seeing a huge growth in new construction starts for many reasons. Yeah. But if you Google new home construction, like in Denver, mm -hmm. There's not one single buyer's agent in that results advertising representation on a new construction property. Really? Wow. Great opportunity. There are opportunities <clears throat> out there right now right. if you look for them. Right. That is like, you know, if I were an independent agent right now, 
-hmm. all of my advertising dollars would be at the top of that list. Right. Because, you know, obviously no buyer should go into a new construction purchase without representation. Correct. And we have, that's the largest segment of our market right now. And not one agent in my market is in that list. Wow. All right. That was so, a great opportunity. There's a lot of opportunities. Lot of Denver opportunity. agents, pay attention. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, hey, uh, thank you, uh, Shelly. This was amazing today. Some great information. Mm -hmm. So our guest today, Shelly Vincent, who is the, um, the chief broker in Colorado for HomeSmart, as well as just a very knowledgeable expert on chat GPT, uh, artificial intelligence, tokenization, and real estate. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge well, with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Love thank you, you Shelly. Uh -huh. So great for those job. of you listening, thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate Podcast. It was great to spend this time with all of you. Uh, this is going to be broken into a two-part series. Hope you've enjoyed the, the two-part segment. And we look, back to, uh, look forward to seeing you back again on future episodes. See you soon. We'll see you next time. Thank you.